Oh, that fly is going to be annoying. Uh, we're joined by a guest on our show today. It's called a fly that we cannot catch or get rid of. No, it, it's the heat at the moment. It's too hot. I went to a different supermarket uh, this past week, which was very exciting. I went to Tesco. Uh, is it Tesco or Tesco's? Uh, it's Tesco, I think. But really, everybody everybody owns a little piece of Tesco. That's how I feel about supermarkets. Everybody is a little bit invested in supermarkets. Yes, yes, yes. Even people who don't care, they have a favourite. You, they say um, they don't care, but they have a favourite. You you went to a different supermarket this week as well, didn't you? I went to Asda, which is very pleased to go. It was nice. You, you were saying something about the name. <gasps> oh yeah, this is well, this is one of my favourite supermarket facts. Um, you know, for our fit for our new brilliant COVID related segment, we went out to the supermarket. Um, Asda is an acronym. What? It's an acronym. What for? associated dairies and i know that because when i was like 14 and i had chronic braces uh, my orthodontist like their office you know how buildings are funded by people well my dentist office was paid for by asda for some reason and there was a whole plaque on the wall being like with great thanks to associated dairies and i was like who the heck are those people and why are they using the asda logo no it was straight up just asda associated dairies Oh, it's capitalized, isn't it? Yeah, which it's indicates an it's an acronym. Yeah, it's but nobody calls it. It's a bad, weird acronym though, because it's like associated dairies. Like it uses the first two letters rather than the first one. Though I suppose you can't really have a supermarket called just ad. Yeah, I imagine they did a lot of brainstorming to figure out the acronym for that. <laughs> a lot of brainstorming. They just looked at it and went, like, "We can't just have the supermarket be called ad." Hey, do you want to get some milk from Ad? No, no, Asda. We'll do Asda instead. We could call it Asda. Hey, what's the rating of this podcast? <laughs> the rating? Well, we're not on the radio. So, I mean, I could swear if I want, but I don't want to. Well, you did just say ass. But that was an American phrase. I didn't use the British phrase, so it's fine. Ass is a swear. Ass is a swear. Oh, my God. No, you can't. Okay. Ass is a swear. I'm afraid that is just true. Mm a swear and is also a swear <gasps> you said it i'm afraid i'm gonna have to bleep that out <laughs> but i don't have bleep i don't have a bleep function so i'm just gonna say it now and edit it over what page said what about bleep and bleep and that's gonna go over you saying that this is bleep how could you do this to it's me? also going over you saying this is censorship you're stealing my voice bleep this is wrong someone help bleep anyway um yeah, we went to the supermarket. We went to two different supermarkets. It was all very exciting. We hope that you were also able to visit a supermarket and purchase everything you needed. In our case, they didn't have my favorite butter, but that's okay. Um, right, to politics, I guess. Yes. Um, so the last few, the last month in politics has been, of course, dominated by the government's response to COVID. Uh, the month started with them slightly lifting the lockdown and has ended with them tightening the lockdown in certain parts of the north of England. Paige, as our senior northern correspondent, 
Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know how much you've seen of what they've done. Uh, I've seen that northern areas have been put back into lockdown or like have had things tightened mm. and reclosed because of COVID numbers and the R rate rising. Uh, as your as your senior northern correspondent, I say that I expected that to happen. Um, I'm not surprised it happened more up north. And I'm allowed to say that. Yes, I'm, I'm, a northerner. I'm sitting here in silence. <laughs> you know, like I'm not allowed to express an opinion either way. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not surprised it uh, came in up north more. Um, may may I ask why? Uh, I, okay, again, I have my northerner card. It's okay. So um, obviously up north there are lower levels, like lower levels of um, just funding, education, etc. People don't have as much money. People don't trust the government as much. And a lot of those areas voted, just voted Tory for the first time in a very long time. Mm. So, like, even though they voted Tory, I would say they're not particularly loyal to the government at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of frustration with the government being very hypocritical in their actions and et cetera. And people just aren't going to listen. I think out of everyone in the UK, a lot of the people from up north of Birmingham and etc. I'm just not going to be jiving with it. I'm not surprised that the R rate has risen up north and I fully expect it to happen elsewhere in the country as well. Yeah. I, I also think as well, the government's going to be a lot less reticent to close down areas up north than they will in London. Really? I can't believe that. The Tory government being keener to close the north than the south? I, I mean, I just, that's yeah. astonishing to me. Uh, keener to close down northern industries. Cough, 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 cough. Tumbleweed goes past. That, that represents all the empty warehouses. They're all closed. Like, one of my strong memories is um, we used to live quite close to Sheffield, myself and my family, and we would drive into Sheffield. Anyone from the Sheffield area or who's visited Sheffield probably knows about Meadowhall, or as everyone else calls it, Meadowhall. Um, and I remember for a very long time, like you would have large um, about, like buildings off of, like right next to Meadow Hall, which is this huge like mall, um, which would have like broken windows and etc. and like boarded up doors and things, which is wild to have that right next to this super deluxe mall area. But that's very typical with places kinda like that. Kind of sums up the economic situation though doesn't it yeah a fancy new mall which is just service industries right right yeah. next to the closed down the closed down buildings plant. yeah so to do a polling roundup in voting intention we have the tories six points ahead 43 percent labor on 37 percent which is down one lib dems on seven percent smp5 green four brexit party one all unchanged and sea uh, testament wise, that would lead to a Tory majority of 20, which is obviously much down from majority of 80 seats following the 2019 election, which is about 335 Tories, 231 Labour, 51 SNP, 9 Lib Dems and 24 others. Mm. Um, I am somewhat surprised that the polls haven't changed all that much in the past month for like contrasting reasons, because mm. I mean, a, the government's done a lot wrong but they've also lifted the lockdown, which you'd think would lead to a bounce. I don't know what you think. You're slightly more plugged into the real world than I am. But I'm a lot less plugged into politics. Yes, but that's the point. Like, I don't know how you feel people in the quote-unquote real world, the real world where people don't spend hours compiling the results of the 1831 general election just to find out 
what the popular vote totals were in an election in which some constituencies had nine voters and others had 5,000. Oh, that's really normal. What are you talking about? I do that every Saturday for fun. Definitely not just you. No, um, mm. I think that a lot of people are obviously have been excited about the lockdown lifting, but I also think a similarly large number of people have looked at the lifting and been like, this is too quick. That is, is certainly what the polls show. If you ask people, do you think we're lifting the lockdown too fast? People say, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the biggest factor. Like um, the Tory voters I know who are, who, who I know, like they themselves think the lockdown is lifting too quickly and they are Tory voters and they disagree with what the government is doing. So I, I'm not surprised they're not experiencing a bounce from this. I think the people who are excited by the bounce are very likely to be that, you know, we were talking about um, a previous episode about like that core of Tories who will vote Tory even if Boris Johnson like shit on their face. <laughs> I don't like, think I, I don't think I put it quite like that. I think a lot of the people who are very like vocally excited about lockdown lifting are that core who would they're never all, move. They're already voting Tory. Yeah, yeah, and I think the ones who are not excited about it are the ones who are Tory voters but aren't completely. You know, they can have independent thoughts. Yeah, so I think I think that sentiment probably explains what i would just characterize as inertia this month mm. but that inertia is is interesting in itself because it seems to me as if over the past few years we've had periods in sort of polling where we'd have a long period of static you mm. know static period where labor's double digits behind and that hap that goes for about six months and then some event will happen like a general election or the brexit vote in parliament and the polls will just transform overnight and the Tories will drop down drop down to 21% and Brexit party will come out of nowhere and Labour will be five points ahead and all this stuff and that'll that'll endure for a few months and then there'll be another transformation and then that'll endure for a few months and that's exactly what happened in 2019 it's happened in 2020 the Tories had like a double digit lead for like uh, most of the first half of 2020 and then Starmer won and the the um Dominic Cummings fiasco happened and mm. the polls transformed again. And we now seem to be in this period where we're moving into an a, a equilibrium that will last for a while of the Tories having a very small lead that would only produce a majority of 10 to 20 seats. Mm. Uh, what remains to be seen is if Starmer can push past that and push into the lead. Um, as I, I know that many people who listen to this and who follow me on Twitter um, constantly joke that he should be 20 points ahead of the worst government in my lifetime because that's what liberals and centrists said about Corbyn. Um, and I love joining with that joke. It's very funny. I, I do have a chuckle every time I see it, so don't stop doing it on my account. But the serious answer is, of course, it's unrealistic to expect that. Too many people like the Tories, too many people like Brexit. Uh, it was unrealistic for Corbyn, it's unrealistic for Starmer. So the inertia is similarly applied to the approval ratings and of the two leaders. Boris Johnson's approval rating is currently 42%, 42%. Mm. So his net rating is zero. And Starmer's is 40% approved, 24% disapproved. So his net rating is plus 16. But that is down a little bit. That's down, well, it's down a net of one point since last month. And his disapproval rating is steadily ticking up. So it might indicate that the very high number of don't knows that he's had throughout this whole period is beginning to settle into a mm, not so sure about this guy. But it's 
still performing relatively well. And in best prime minister polls, more or less again the same as last month, Boris Johnson, 40% of Keir Starmer on the third. I don't know what you think of those polls. As I said, they're just kind of the same. I think it's, you know, it's just ticking along the way it is. Like, I think everybody's sunk into this... It's wild considering how much is going on right now in the world, but it almost feels like the world has become a bit stagnant, despite the chaos. So we're in a weird position where we're in um, this really chaotic world, but on this kind of sphere, nothing's really changing. Because everyone's, I think, adapting to a a, a new level of this is how life is now. Mm. It's just buck wild. I'm still... I'm I'm kind of desensitized to it at this point because I look at mm. polls so often. But I, I look at this thing, this average that says 40% say Boris Johnson would be the best prime minister and only a third say Starbra. I'm like, who are these people? I mean, who who, who are these people? Like, why, why have they managed to... I, as I said, I'm desensitized to it. I see it all the time. But I still wonder how could that many people look at Boris Johnson flailing about and think he's doing a good job? To be fair, what's the average age of your friends? Because we know who is voting for the Tories and they are people who are older than us. Yes. Like, I'm, you're older than me, but only by like two months. And you're all 26. Yeah. Like, obviously we are now capital A adults because we're past 25. Oh, God, no. In the grand scheme of things, we're still babies. I don't accept that. Adulthood begins at 30 for our generation. No, no, I'm afraid not. You're old now. Welcome. No, no. You're welcome. No. You're welcome. No. Yeah, no. So we know who is voting Tory, but they're people we don't socialize with. So I think it can be very, it can be very, it can be quite a nasty shock sometimes to be young and remember that most of the country is really right wing. When obviously the people you tend to socialize with are the ones who are really LGBT friendly or trans friendly or just, you know, left wing and believe that people shouldn't suffer and be homeless because they don't make much money or, you know, believe that if you're poor, it's not your fault and it's because of accessibility and you didn't have that money behind you to help you do things like focus entirely on your studies because you had to work because they got rid of all the grants. They are there, but they're not really the kind of people that are going to be over at our house watching Muppets Christmas Carol with us in June. No. <laughs> not going to be the people watching Hustle on no, the BBC. No, Hustle, Hustle rewatching. So speaking of people being really right-wing, something, uh, one of my um, tweets that surprised me in lots of people noticing, because sometimes I, I, I tweet things and, and I think, oh, that's somewhat unremarkable, but people might find it interesting. And then lots of people go, oh my God. And I'm like, oh, um, was a poll that YouGov did showing that the public overwhelmingly think that the Tories are best place to manage the economy. Uh, 40% said the Tories and only 17% said Labour. And this certainly adds to the argument made by many Starmer supporters that it's the Labour brand that is damaged on so many issues and not Starmer's. Although I would disagree with that analysis. I think that they're kind of moving in tandem I don't think most people think of Starmer as someone exceptionally different to the Labour Party. I think they kind of think of him as, oh, he's the Labour Party leader. He seems like an okay guy. Mm. Um, he's very normy. Yes. Which is not a criticism. No. He's no. just a very neutral man. Hmm. We well, had this discussion outside of the podcast, but I think it's a good one to have again. Like, what? Why do you think that despite the Tories being in power for 10 years and consistently mucking up the economy, including causing what is likely to be a very soon resurgence of mass unemployment. Why do you think people still trust the Tories on the economy? Well, a lot of them would say that COVID isn't the Tories' fault. And then I would also say relentless um, MSM, 
you know mainstream media yeah mainstream media a, a relentless 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 and anti-labor sentiment from the mainstream media like when the 2008 recession happened you might as well have thought the banks weren't involved for how strongly the MSM was saying it was the Labour Party and Gordon Brown specifically. Which is... Uh, and the Tories would never get pinned, like, blamed for things like that in the same way. Um, speaking of Tory media scrutiny, the BBC had to delete a video that they put out recently which depicted R uh, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, as Superman. It was yeah. a, They put so much effort into it. They had... It was gen it was properly animated. They it was like a cartoon version of Sunak, like handing out thousand dollar notes to people. And instead of the S on his chest for hope, it had a pound symbol. And it was like Rishi Sunak trying to save the economy. <laughs> Somebody said it was worthy of North Korea, and I think that's an understatement because I don't yeah. think North Korea would put that much effort into, you know, animating and depicting as like giving out free money. I don't think they put that much effort into a newscast on behalf of their leader. Yeah. So I would say it's worse. And playing it off as a positive, when the MSM is always really critical whenever Labour decides to spend money to help people, the Tories have been very grudging about paying out. Like, And even now they're trying to force the economy to reopen despite COVID because they want to make more money and don't want to give people money for not working, you know, for trying to avoid a pandemic. Mm. Like so, for the for the MSM to portray one of the Tory MPs as super, a superhero, Superman, yeah, um, for doing the very thing the MSM usually crucifies the Labour Party for is a joke, and it is hilarious that anybody still thinks that the BBC is unbiased. It was honestly, I was stunned because I was like, they. But here's the thing. We know Most that Tories think that the BBC is biased in favour of Labour. Yeah. Which is bananas. And I've it's seen so untrue. I've seen like the media polling on this. Like, for some bizarre reason, like most Labour voters still trust the BBC more than any other no, news didn't. outlet, and most Tory voters distrust it the most. Leave voters distrust it the most. And it's it's like they couldn't be more blatant. Yeah. And I, I don't understand why. I guess most people aren't shown any other alternative point of view are they so i think a lot of oh man this is going to be a contentious opinion i do think a lot of older people have a problem with media literacy because they were raised in a climate where you trusted journalism a lot more than you do today oh and without yeah. social media so i, I think uh, i think there's a real issue with media literacy and just trusting the media in a way that our generation just doesn't because a lot of us a lot of us honestly belong to identities and groups that the media still tries to say doesn't exist. So, of course, we don't trust them because on a very basic level, we know they're wrong about something very fundamental. Like the BBC, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but the BBC um, over the last few days have deleted all mention of trans groups and um, groups to dedicated towards um, the protecting people of differing genders mm. from their page. The hilarious thing about Leave voters not thinking the BBC is right wing is... I look at them and I'm like, what more do you want the BBC to do? Do you want them to go thump themselves in the chest and go, transphobia? Like, what else, what else do you need? They're on your side. It's, I think they want them to go full Fox News. Like, yeah, no platform for anybody from the Labour Party, full-on 24-7 Conservative Party news broadcast propaganda, which is what it is anyway. It's just that it has the somewhat pretense of being a mm. neutral channel, which... I mean, and, and this is going to be like, 
I take the position that the BBC shouldn't be funded by a license fee. We should get rid of the license fee and or at least get rid of it for news uh, outlets um, for the BBC. Because I think that if you made the BBC funded by commercial advertising the same way that Channel 4 is, so it's still a public service broadcaster, it's required to actually respond to declining viewer figures from certain Mm -hmm. demographics in a way that other channels are, but the BBC isn't because it just gets this big lump sum of money anyway, and it doesn't care. It can do whatever it wants. It can say things like, Rishi Sunak is Superman. And it can say things like, here's a picture of Jeremy Corbyn. We dressed him in a Russian hat and made him, put him in front of a communist background. Yeah, we put him in front of the Kremlin. Somehow that isn't criticized as, uh, you know, biased when it 100% is. I still think that there are quite a lot of people in this country over the age of 60 who think that Russia is still the Soviet Union. Yeah. And I'm a bit worried that, like, they seem to have... I mean, they were they were adults when the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union collapsed, and they don't seem to know that it doesn't exist anymore, whereas our generation is very much aware of that. I think Putin is a very scary... Uh, he's a very easy boogeyman as well, though. I mean, it's, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to make a boogeyman out of someone so horrible. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's it's weird to see people try and associate Russia with the Labour Party as if it's like a reflex thing they've done since the 1920s. Here is, here is, here's the thing, though. It's easy. I know it's easy, but this is my point. There's a lot of people for whom associating Russia with the Labour Party means nothing, like our generation. You're like, oh, Corbyn's in bed with Putin. Really? The democratic socialist is in bed with the homophobic fascist? I doubt that. Mm. Whereas most people over 60 are like, oh, left-wing guy in bed with the communists. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, no, no. Russia hasn't been a communist state for over 30 years. I think that's media literacy again, though. It's easy. I find that a lot with, uh, with a lot of older people and a lot of people, older people who vote Tory. Like, there's a, sometimes there can be a difficulty to see shades of grey. Like morality feels a lot more simple. And I don't know if that's because you grow up much closer to World War II and the Nazis as obvious boogeyman than you do today. But it feels to me that a lot of people of that demographic find it, they, they kind of, they go for the easy out in terms of portraying morality, like good and evil. This is bad. This is this. Rather than the reality that the world is incredibly complicated and so is morality. And so are people and groups of people. There is no easy way to define or view anything. But if you're feeling lazy and you're not very media literate, yeah, sure, Corbyn, Russia, woo! Or indeed, as we were saying before, Labour crashed the world economy. Yeah. Because it's a simplistic view that says, economy crashed, Labour are in power, therefore Labour crashed the economy. Which isn't true. No, it's a simple way of looking at it. But we were talking about um, Sunak and his depiction in the media, and mm. I think that definitely contributed to a recent poll that showed Rishi Sunak on 44% for best chancellor of the Exchequer and Labour's shadow chancellor, Annalise Dodds, mm. on um, 6%. Yeah, um, which is obviously crushing for Dodds. Yes. But? Even uh, Labour voters preferred uh, Sunak. Um but as we were saying, the media's depiction of Sunak plays a big part in this. Yeah, relentlessly positive. He's obviously, as well, he's a lot more visible than Dodds. No, of course, because yeah. Because of COVID. Like, he's yeah. on screen almost every week talking about money and talking about how he's going to give money to people. It makes sense that people would think of him positively. 
I think that there is something to be said about Labour's own somewhat lack of response. I mean, mm. Labour's response on the economy has more recently amounted to simply saying we support the government's efforts to reopen the economy and we don't support a wealth tax, which is an odd thing for the Labour movement to say. I would say that they, they, the argument is that we shouldn't support increased taxation in the middle of a recession. But that's, I think Gordon Brown would disagree with that. Gordon Brown mm -hmm. famously raised taxes on the rich in the late 2000s in response to the recession because the rich were making money out of the recession and yeah. poor people were losing their homes and their jobs. And funnily enough, in the time of COVID, the rich people just got a whole lot richer. Yeah. They can afford to pay more tax and so they should pay more tax anyway. I know that people in the Labour leadership, no doubt, want the headline to be Labour won't raise taxes, right? Okay. But you shouldn't be driven by worrying about what the headlines say. You should be driven by trying to change the narrative around the economy like mm. Corbyn did. Um, by the Even by the end of Corbynism, like the Tories still felt as if in order to win the popular vote, they had to sort of make noises in favour of ending austerity, even if they weren't going to do it. Mm. That was in part because Corbyn had shifted the way in which people perceived the economy. And we had this opportunity now to say we don't even have to justify government intervention in the economy because we've all seen that we need to do it. We have the chance to shape what that response should be. And instead, the Labour front bench is just saying, oh, we don't want to tax the rich. Um, we don't want to you know, do too much. And it just feels as if this is the worst possible moment to have a Labour front bench that's playing the softly, softly approach. Mm. We should be out there saying we believe in taxing the rich who have made money out of this crisis and giving it back to ordinary people we believe in a mass government attempt to create jobs. We believe in building and rebuilding public services, especially the health service, so that they can handle this crisis or the next one that comes along. And we're just not saying any of that. And I've tried to be supportive of the strategy here, but I just can't see how it could possibly work, except to make people not see us as a party of change. And I don't see why <laughs> Labour will ever be perceived as the party of the status quo. And uh, to conclude that section, I do not think that uh, coming out against wealth taxes will put us 20 points ahead in the polls. Just saying. But there is one Labour Party in the world that is 20 points ahead in the polls, and that yeah. is New Zealand. New Zealand has an election in September, and Jacinda Ardern, who is the Labour Prime Minister there, has a 23-point lead over the Conservative National Party, with the Greens all the way behind both of them on 6%, Labour's coalition partners, New Zealand first due to lose every single one of their seats. Now, neither of us may live in New Zealand, but I think we can give a pretty good estimate as to why she's suddenly so popular. Because she wasn't in January, like the two parties mm. were tied. And it was a lot of conversation over, is Arden going to get re-elected? Is she actually going to make this happen? And now, of course, the answer is yes. But, mm. I mean, what do you think? COVID. New Zealand has infamously done really, really well with their COVID response. And before anyone says New Zealand is a small country with a tiny population, we're talking about the percentage of people. New Zealand has had 22 people sadly pass away from coronavirus out of 5 million, which is 0.0005% of the population. And the UK has had a tragically high 40,000 people out of 68 million, which is 0.07% of the population, which is dramatically higher mm. in terms of the percentage of the population, especially because New Zealand is a very small island. Yep. And uh, that's actually quite a lot of people to be packed into quite a small space, but they still managed to keep it that low. I mean, in a lot of ways, New Zealand's very similar to us. Like, they are a small island nation. 
if we'd done a lot of the things New Zealand had done, as in shutting very early, track and trace, things could have been different. Things can be very different. Um, and, in the st- and instead, the Tories are chest pounding, saying, haven't we done well? And we're in like the top 10 worst in the world, I think, last time I checked. We're the worst in Europe, certainly. Wow, amazing. Uh, by but far you the wouldn't worst know Europe. it from the MSM. No, you wouldn't. Um, if Labour were in power and we had had 40,000 people pass away from coronavirus compared to 22 in New Zealand, I, it would be on every front page, yep. every news bulletin, every second of every day until Labour were 20 points behind in the polls yep. rather than 20 points ahead. It would, have been, it would have been, instead of Superman, Corbyn would have been like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, guaranteed. that would be, yeah. I, I only hope that people in the, the North and I imagine the rest of the country will soon follow are um, holding up okay. And I wanted to take that moment to give my solidarity to them because I'm sure they're stressed out quite a lot right now. There's a lot of things that the public's being blamed for doing, yeah. which really you can't blame them for doing because there are still a number of people that trust the government's advice, yeah. although that number is falling every day. Yeah. And... The government's no. The government of the country, the prime minister says you can go out and do this. Mm. If you want to go out and do it, you're probably going to go out and do it. Why wouldn't you? The you government says it's yeah. okay. You and can't simultaneously criticize someone for doing what you tell them to do, and then expect them to obey you next time. At the same time, however, everyone listening, please wear a mask. Please don't go to social gatherings unless it's you really have to because. Come on, it's not over. Be sensible. Mm. And no, that's there's, very there's, important to bear in mind. There's plenty of clear medical advice. And on this one, I will not fault the government for their new slogan, which I believe is um, hands, face and keep away, I think. So, Something related to that. Yeah, it's it's like, not a very um, good one. I can't remember it. Oh, I know. It's head, shoulders, knees and toes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the key point of the message is continue to socially distance from people, not in your bubble or household wear a mask when indoors um Mm -hmm. and i would i take the view that i wear it when passing around other people as well and continue to wash your hands um all the time uh and i think that's that's still good advice even if the government's um promotion of it is very very poor yeah our our approach with covid needs to be the same as the way um, we view the nhs which is you're not doing it for yourself you're doing it to protect the people around you and to for everyone to support each other. If everybody pats everybody else's back, we're all going to be fine. But you, everybody has to do it. The way I saw it put in uh, America was, uh, I think, a governor saying, uh, your mask protects uh, me and my mask protects you. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly how it, it goes. Yeah. Which is why um, people saying, uh, why do I need to wear a mask? Everyone else is like, because well, that's not how it works. It's, yeah. It's... You, you all need to do it for it to work. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And if everybody wears a mask, then you can protect the people for whom the mask is not enough. Mm-hmm, like the exactly. people without immune systems. It's exactly the same way vaccinations work. Like yeah. A vaccine is only effective because enough people are vaccinated that the disease can't transfer and get to the people who are vulnerable to it. Um, so for this final uh, section, I would like to uh, briefly talk about the poll of the month, which was a hypothetical... EU referendum poll from YouGov in the middle of July, which showed Remain on 52% and Leave on 48%. Because of the ratio. Is back. And I don't know if it will ever go away. Um, a commentator said to me on Twitter um, 
that they were a bit confused why YouGov used the language of remain and leave when we've already left, wouldn't rejoin or stay out, be more interesting. And some pollsters do use that. Branding. Um, it's branding. Because we already understand what those ideologies and what those groups yes. mean. So I mean, it's branding. That so could be why. It could also be that they were... Um, easier understanding. It was a general poll they were asking to all, uh, to lots of European countries. Mm. So that could be why. Either way, uh, I don't know. The consistency and clarity of message is what yeah. I would say, aka branding. And I think it illustrates the point neatly anyway that mm. the nation is still evenly divided on whether Brexit is right or wrong. Um, and it's will be ever thus i think i don't know if this will ever stop being but i i will say that i've seen lots of people placing their confidence in in various answer to various poll um difficulties wait till no deal brexit hits wait till people wise up to coronavirus wait till this wait till that they won't wise up though yeah i don't think waiting is a very good strategy because media literacy and the msm like they are going to do their damnedest to make everything look all rosy and perfect and even if people aren't listening to the media there are a lot of people who will what's the phrase confirmation bias mm. um they will see what's happened and just try and persuade themselves that it's what they wanted all along yeah. like oh uh, we're struggling with shortages of food and uh, supplies through not even through a pandemic, but through a self-inflicted no-deal Brexit. Oh, this is what I wanted all along. We wanted to be, you know, like the days of World War Two. We want to be the Blitz spirit. We needed a bit of a shake up that Jackson Watto, and I voted for Brexit to get this done. And then you go back to 2016 and you look at their Twitter feed and they're like, we're going to have the sun-lit uplands. It's going to be great prosperity, economic freedom for everybody. We're going to get all the fish we want. And uh, then when there's shortages of fish in no-deal Brexit, they're like, I wanted this all along. No, you didn't. No, You're just you trying didn't. to convince yourself that it's what you wanted. I know that like, I seem as if I go back and forth on Brexit all the time because it's not really my number one priority issue. But I voted to remain in the first place. I would do so again. When I when it looked like there was a choice between no deal and no Brexit, no Brexit to me was the obvious answer. But it started to become slightly more muddied as we seemed to get a deal, at which point a referendum might have seemed the best option. And then we had a general election, in which case I was like, maybe a Labour Brexit is the best option. There's There was a tendency in the last few years to push everything into you're either remaining or you're either leaving and there's nothing in between. But that was just completely unrealistic. And I felt like the living embodiment of that truth a lot of time ultimately what it came down to is like if you were to present me with a forced choice between two options i could definitely choose one of them but if you present me with several dozen it's a little bit more difficult mm. so we'll leave you with that i guess Fifty-two forty-eight. the cursed ratio goodbye goodbye